morning. Happy uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Right? Um, talking about change, uh, even in the Super Bowl, there's change this year. The Patriots are now playing, finally. And if, <laughs> if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, you are happy that they're not playing in the Super Bowl. For those that have been here for the past few weeks, you guys know that we've been in the middle of a series titled Keep the Change. And I just wanted to ask if this has been a blessing for you, say amen. It has been a blessing, right? And uh, this was supposed to or scheduled to be a four-part series, but I believe that there's so much more that the Lord wants to do uh, through it. So we're going to not only do today, but we'll also do next Sunday and I think next Sunday we'll wrap it up uh, with Keep the Change. Uh, but are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah. Uh, I love worship songs that talk about the attributes of the Lord. And I love when worship is just focused on who he is as opposed to what we need. Doesn't it give it a different feeling when we worship and we say, great are you, Lord. Can I pray really quick? Is that a yes? yes? All right, cool. Lord, we thank you and we honor you. Um, you are truly uh, a good, good father. And as we gather here, your children gather today. We don't want this just to be a, another service. We, we're asking, please, Father, if you can just speak to us through your word. Allow us to listen to your voice and what you have for us today. Father, we eliminate any distractions, not only in the room, but in our heads. And we just want to focus on the person of Jesus. Uh, you are uh, our invited guests. All glory, all worship goes to you. Father, we don't take anything. Um, our blessing will be that at the end of the day, you take all the glory. That's where the blessing is. So we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I see that I'm going to have to shake you guys a little bit today, but, but that's okay. And um, within this series, Keep the Change, we've heard a lot. And I know I asked last week, but I want to ask again this week. Anything from this series that has stuck with you? Anything at all? Shout it out. Be bold. What, what, what else? Oui. Sometimes the change you need may not be the change that you want. What else? What else? We've talked a lot. We've got to protect the change. That was one of my, my favorite messages. But all in all, this, this series has, has truly been, been life-changing for most of us because the truth of the matter is that if we are longing for change, we need to take steps in order to make this change happen. Amen? Amen. But it doesn't serve any purposes if we change and we don't protect the change. And I think that we want to we wanna change that last. And we want the Lord to change us to our core. And we want the things that we've never seen to be manifested in our lives. If you believe that, say amen. And um, today I want to speak from a, my foundational text is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. I want us to read this all together. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is working within us. Tell your neighbor he is able. He is able. He is able. And I want to speak from this subject, man. And the title of my message today is it's not greed, it's hunger. Tell your neighbor, I'm not greedy, I'm just hungry. <laughs> and for those that are unaware, we have ad adopted a, a theme for this year for our church in which we'll make emphasis on. And this year, we chose a theme that we believe that describes what God wants to do in us and through us. The theme is seeing the unseen. We, we want more. And I know that 
for some of us in the room to honestly admit that we uh, want more, especially in a church context, may evoke certain emotions and certain feelings. Um, uh, it may seem self-serving. It, it may seem like I am unappreciative of what I have. But for those that are feeling that way, no judgment from my part. I just want you to give me a few minutes today to explain to you why some of us in this room are wanting more. There is a difference between greed and hunger. Greed is wanting more than what God has for me. Hunger is wanting all God has for me. So what I'm saying to you today is that I don't want more than what God has for me because that'll be being greedy. But being hungry is wanting all, everything the Lord has for me. And I just want to ask if today in this room, if there's anyone with that same sentiment that can say, I am not greedy, but I am hungry. That we can say, God, I don't want more. I don't want more than what you already designed for me, but I do want everything. I want all of it. I don't want to get to heaven and, and have him say, hey, Will, listen, I had all this for you, but you never asked for it. You never worked for it. I want it all. And, and again, it's not self-serving. It's not being unappreciative because I don't want what God has for you. I want everything that God has for me. So when I'm thinking about my marriage, I want to enjoy the fullness of my marriage. When I'm thinking about raising my kids, I want to enjoy the fullness of raising my kids. When I serve at church as, as pastor, when I serve in the parking lot, when I serve just coming to church, I want to experience the fullness of what God has for me. And that's not being greedy. Being greedy is when we enter into the realm of comparison, when I believe that your track is better than mine. Or when I start desiring the blessings of God over your life. See, that's being greedy. But when I want everything and when I want all the Lord has for me, that's just being hungry. And uh, something happened last Sunday that shook our world, shook especially uh, here in America, which was the death of, of famous athlete basketball player Kobe Bryant. And we were outside, actually. We were driving home and... My, my phone starts buzzing. As a pastor, you don't want your phone buzzing on Sundays after church. <laughs> Something happened is the first thing. You know, we got to turn back around. They broke into the church. Uh, somebody's sick. That's the first thing to my mind. And, you know, the world was shook because it was unexpected. It was a tragedy. And I think that many times we don't view things from the sphere of eternity because I don't know if you remember, last Sunday I was talking about procrastination. Y'all remember that? Procrastination gives us the false illusion that we are in control of time. Right? So when we leave here and I'll say, see you Sunday, that's expecting and hoping to see you Sunday. But I can't control if I will see you Sunday. And when we, th we think about life and when we think about eternity and we think about more, we have, it, we have this skewed view of life. So when we look around the room and we're like, those are the older folks and those are the younger folks, we don't know. Because if you're 55 and the days that the Lord has for you is 75, but you're 18 and what the Lord has for you is two more weeks, who's the older one? I got really quiet. Somebody say something to me. Right, thank you, D. See, when we don't view things from the from the perspective of eternity, we start missing the point of why we're here. See, we do believe many times we have time. When my grandma used to say to me is, Will, there's one appointment we all have that we can't cancel. See, you can call tomorrow and say, and call in sick <laughs> and say, I'm, I'm not feeling well, I can't come in. Or if you have a doctor's appointment, you can reschedule and say, Will, she used to sit me on her lap and say, Will, there's one appointment in life we all have that we can't cancel, and that's called death. And as long as the Lord has me here on earth, on this side of things, I want all and everything he has for me. So tell your neighbor, I'm not greedy. I'm just hungry. And Paul talks about this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 12, and he says this. 
we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. In other words, when I'm comparing your blessings to my blessings, I'm not wise. When I'm comparing your journey to my journey, I'm not wise. We, it's like the people that are called, he's preaching to, to the Corinthians. He's saying, though, all of that, they can do that. But we, that our eyes have been opened, we that are in the family of Christ, we, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits. But we will but we'll confine our boasting to the sphere. Everyone say sphere. Sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. A, a sphere that also... So what is he saying? What he's saying is that there is an audience for your anointing. There is an audience for your influence. What he's saying is that don't wear rejection on your sleeve. What he's saying is that you're not called to everybody, but you're called to somebody's. And I think that many times when we, we, we value and we evaluate rejection incorrectly because we're moving outside of our sphere. See, many of us are working hard for people to like us that will never like us that are already predestined and predetermined in their label over our lives that are not part of your sphere. While there are people in your sphere waiting for you to walk into the fullness of your destiny because you have influence over them. This is what my superintendent tells me. He says, Will, every time you feel discouraged, wake up and think about the fact that people's eternity are in your hands. Every time I feel like I don't have any purpose, I wake up and I'm, and I'm shaken to my bones with that statement. The people that I come in contact with that are part of my sphere of influence are people that are waiting for me to share Christ with them, that are waiting for me to share my anointing over their lives. So I came to tell you today that you're not for everybody, but you're for somebody. Mary and I talk about this all the time, say New Vision Church is not for everybody, but it's for somebody. See, and where's that in scripture, Pastor? I glad, I'm glad you asked. Jesus was talking to the disciples, and Jesus was telling the disciples, hey, listen, I want you to go two and two, two and two right, in Paris to go preaching, right? You're gonna go to the land, you're gonna go and you're gonna knock on doors, and you're gonna go preaching. But just so you know, not everyone is gonna like you. What do we do? Matthew 10, verse 14. He says, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, Leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. See, not literally, this is a metaphor. <laughs> what is he teaching? That to not wear rejection on your sleeve because there is an audience for you. See, you don't have to beg for friendships. You don't have to beg for influence because you have an audience. Your anointing, your gifting, your words have an audience. And I think that 2020 is a year for us to start understanding that all of us have a sphere of influence that we need to tap into. And we got to throw away and dust off our feet to the people that we're fighting and we wanting them to like us and accept us. This is not Pastor Will. This is Jesus said. If they don't like you, if they don't welcome or welcome your words, guess what you got to do? Andy Minio says, keep it up moving. Because what are we doing if we're not moving? Don't take rejection personally. And I think that many times when we take this rejection so personally, we, do, we, we, do, we give God a, mis, a misuse of our talents and our gifts and our abilities. Is this resounding with someone today? Is, uh, is this landing with someone today? See, uh, when we say we want more, we're not saying we want to step over what the Lord has for us. Well, we're saying we want everything the Lord has for us. And this foundational text that we read in Ephesians chapter th 3 is what we call a doxology. Tell your neighbor doxology. This is a Sunday word, so I can use it today, right? Doxology, you're going to learn something today. And what is this doxology, Pastor? Very simple. Doxology is a liturgical expression 
of praise. Say with me, liturgical expression of praise. What does that even mean, Pastor, right? Well, so what they would do is that when they would close out a prayer, they would talk about the attributes of what they just prayed to. What they're saying is that when you pray for certain things, you got to close out your prayer talking about the attributes of God that will remind you that that prayer can be true. So if you read the first 19 verses of Ephesians, he's talking about all the things that we're asking the Lord to do. So he's closing with a doxology saying, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. And sometimes in our prayers, we need to start putting in our head the things and the attributes of what the Lord can do. I've come to the understanding as I mature as a believer that the Lord that you see is the Lord that you get. How you perceive him is how you receive him. See, and I believe that some of us are still thinking about baby Jesus in the rap. And some of us are not viewing him as the king of kings, as the king of glory, as the one that's coming back again, that's sitting on the throne. See, I can tell the size of your God by the size of your prayers. And I think that many of us are praying for things we can do ourselves. God, give me a job. Are you applying? God, help me pay my bills. Are you working? God, I want to make more money. Are you studying? Are you going to school? Are you preparing yourself? Are you being excellent in your level so you can be promoted to the next level? Are y'all catching what I'm saying? See, Paul, Paul was so wise. Paul was telling them, all these little things that you're asking or thinking, the Lord that we serve, he can blow your mind. He can go way above and beyond the things that you don't even have language for. See, and I think that many of us have been indoctrinated even generationally by what we heard, what we saw, what we lived that we don't think that more is possible. That we don't think that more for us is possible, that more is reserved for them. Who's going to give me some love over here? All right, cool. He's saying, listen, I want you to know that he is able to do more than the things that you can't even think about. That's the kind of Lord, the Lord we serve. And I think that for many of us, we, we haven't gotten into the habit of praying bold prayers. See, God is not intimidated by the enormity of your prayers. Big prayers are actually worship. What does that mean, Pastor? I'll break that down to you. Big prayers are worship because you are acknowledging that you can't do it and only he can do it. See, that's why our prayer life Needs to, needs to be challenging. We need to start asking God for things that we know that naturally we can't do. And we need his supernatural to meet our natural. And that when he, do, when he does it, all the glory will belong to him. Because people will say, no, that, that couldn't. That was not possibly you. It's like, exactly, that was the Lord. Because he's able to do more than I can ask or ever think. But not only he's saying what he will do. But he's also saying how he will do it. See, I wish I can tell you there was a magical trick for more. That you can just hop three times, you know, stick out your tongue, dance, and there you go. Your miracle's on the way. He says it right in the verse. He can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. How? According to his power that is working within us. In other words, you need to work what's working in you. See, the what is more. The how is through you. And I think that many times when we pray and when we ask God, give us more. And give us more, it's like, I'm ready to do more when you're willing to do more. See, there is a level of maturity that requires your participation. And I talked about the Bible, uh, I said it a few weeks ago, when I grabbed the mirror, y'all remember that? See, if the Bible is not applied in your daily life, they're just words on a book. See, the Bible truly, like I said, comes alive when you read it the right way. But the Bible becomes truth to your life when you apply it to your life. 
See, he's saying, I can do more. That's the what. The how is when you work what's working in you. And you got to say to yourself, I have a part to play. See, there are things that the Lord can do because he's just so great. But many times the miracle requires your participation. See, I, I talked about this. I love the suddenlies of God, right? Scripture is full of suddenlies. And suddenly the Lord... But if you think about it, people needed to do work for that miracle. Talk about the walls of Jericho. We talk about the woman with the flowing of blood. We talk, we talk about Zacchaeus. He went up into the tree. See, there is a required participation where God meets you and says, I want it, but do you want it? And when we're talking about more, more is going to require work. My dad tells me all the time, Will, when you get more of something, you get more of everything. See, some of us are praying to be supervisors, CEOs, but we're just looking at one side of that spectrum. Do you know how many hours of sleep that person is getting? Do you know if that person is sacrificing their family in order to have that position? See, more means more. Over here, y'all don't love me today. I'm going to go over here. When you get more of something, God gives you more of everything. See? When you, God starts blessing your life, he's going to give you more haters. When God starts giving you more influence, he's going to have more people remind you of your past. When God starts healing your marriage, he's going to start reminding you, he's going to give you more attacks. Because every new level is, an, is truly a new devil. Right? Oh, what you, oh, pastor, that's not really? What was the difference between before you were married and now? What was the difference between you when, when you didn't have any kids and now that you have responsibility of kids? See, more requires more. And I believe that we, it's such an abstract thought when we think about more because we don't think about the practical implications of more. But God is wanting more. He's wanting more commitment. God, give me more anointing. Yeah, I want more prayer life. God, give me more giftings. Yeah, I want you more in my word. We're going to have to meet halfway here, buddy. God, I want to I wanna be recognized. He says, yeah, but you got to be the least of these. Are you willing to give up your life more to serve? God, give me more. Are you, are you ready to sow more? Because <laughs> more of something is more of everything. And I just want to give you five keys really quick. If you want to experience the fullness of what God has for you, again, it's not being greedy. It's being hungry. Greed is wanting more than what God has. I don't want what God has for you, but I do want everything he has for me. So I'm going to give you five really quick. Are you ready to be with me? All right, number one is he wants to give you a mindset for more. See, more requires an attitude adjustment. See, an adjustment of the altitude of your thoughts. See, Scripture communicates that God moves in your mind first. So he will give you a mindset for where he wants to take you physically. Where is that in Scripture, Pastor? Very easy. In, in, in um, the book of um, Exodus, as the people are leaving, the people of Israel are leaving um, Egypt, and they're walking into the promised land of Canaan, God continues to talk to them and say, when you get there, when I give you the land, he said he, they thought it in their mind and they were believing that it was possible and then their body followed. And I think that for many of us, the change of mindset is our most challenging hurdle. Some of us are so stuck in our mindsets to believing that God can do more is something that is obscure or, or something that is so far from us. Because we've been indoctrinated even sometimes through this gospel of, of humble meaning less. I'm going to tell you this, and this is the real crowd. Can I, can, I, can I speak to the real crowd? The most prideful people that I've met are poor. If you don't, if you don't believe me, say stop. If you believe me, shout amen. Because that's nothing to do with what you have. See? Can I teach for a moment? There's a difference between being prideful and being aware. 
See, Jesus, the, the things that we know about Jesus, he told us himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one goes through the Father but through me. He is in me, I am in, in him. He wasn't prideful, but he was aware. See, when you're aware, I'm not ashamed of what I carry. I'm not ashamed of what God gives me, but I am aware who gave it to me. See, there's a difference between being prideful and being aware. And when you are aware, God gives you a mentality, a mindset for more. When God wants to push you for more, your mind goes to a different standard and you are no longer comfortable with the things that you were comfortable with before. See, there are circles that you start to move in that you're like, mm, uh, I don't belong here. It's not being greedy. <laughs> it's just being hungry. See, the transformation starts in your mind first. That's why scripture says that we need to renew our minds. That's why scripture says that we need to submit every thought captive to the feet of Jesus because truly your mind is the enemy's playground. See, we a lot of us are in, uh, ingesting all this all this thing through social media <laughs> and we're viewing everyone else's highlight reel and we're thinking that's reality and your mindset is being stuck that being blessed is looking like that. See, that's greed. That's more than what God has for me. <laughs> Hungry as I want everything and all God has for me. So we need a mindset. We need a mindset for more. And let me ask you, what is shaping your mindset? Is it your history or your destiny? What is shaping your mindset? Is it your earthly family or your spiritual family? Is it culture or is it scripture? See, because <laughs> I'll take that as an amen, right? Our mindset, our mindset, our mindset needs to change. See, when you want more, God is going to start shifting some things in your mindset. And you're like, hey, listen, I was created for more. I was created to live out this gospel, to impact that when they walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. When I walk into darkness, light walks into darkness. When I walk into the room, hope walks into the room. It's a mindset of being aware, not prideful, but aware of what you carry. And some of us, sometimes we've heard that we were an accident or these subtle things. Yeah, yeah, your dad and I weren't really looking for you. You just came. I know some of us have heard that. Or you weren't in our plans. And we're starting to believe the lie of the enemy that we're here by coincidence or by mistake. But scripture says that you are fearfully <coughs> and wonderfully made. He told Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, I formed you, before you were formed, I'm sorry, in your mother's womb. I had you in my mind. So number one is mindset for more. You got that? Yeah. Number two, maturity for more. <laughs> Everyone say maturity. maturity. See, it's not only a mindset for more, but we need a heart that can handle more. I am totally convinced that God retains some of our blessings for our own good. I think there are things that God withholds us, withholds from us because he knows <laughs> if he gives it to you, it's going to shatter your heart. And I said this last Sunday, a lot of people know God knows my heart. And I'm like, and that doesn't scare you? Look, God knows my heart. That should freak you out. But we need a maturity for more. When you get more of something, you do get more of everything. And you must learn to submit to the lessons God is trying to teach you through crisis. See, the problem is that we want to avoid crisis at all costs. And everything, the Bible says that he will test us like gold. See, God needs to know that you're ready for that more. 
My dad says back at home that there's people that God can't even give them a scooter because you'll lose them. Una pasolita, una pasolita se pierde. See, the container needs to be ready to receive the blessing. So many times God will work on the container first because he doesn't want to mismanage his blessing over your life. I'm glad for the no's God said in my 20s because I don't know what, where I would be today if he would have said yes to those things I was praying for. The thing is that we need to understand that God knows best. And some of those no's were to save your life. See, because he formed us so he knows us. So he knows our character. He knows what we can stand and what we can't stand. And I think that so many times we undervalue our strength, but sometimes we think that we're stronger than what we really are. So what the Lord says, I can't give you that job because you don't have enough grip on yourself to deal with those coworkers that are going to, mm, I'm not even going to go there, Pastor. So God says no because he wants more for you. Is that making sense? Where's that in scripture, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Galatians chapter 4. You're still with me? This is one of my favorite verses in scripture, and this is going to mess with you, but it's all good. You still love me, right? Because I didn't write this. Paul did. He said, think about it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better than slaves until... Let's... let's I need you to follow me here. Let's go back to make sure you're reading what I'm reading. Think about it this way, people. He was talking to the churches in Galatia. He was preaching. If a father dies, if, if Will dies, and leaves an inheritance for his young children, for Shiloh, for Micah, and Mesa, right? Those children are not much better than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything they have. What are you saying, Pastor? Some of the blessings God has are for grown-ups. Because <laughs> you can be an heir. You can truly be an heir. But as long as that person is underage spiritually, where his life experience is no different than a slave, it doesn't matter if you're an heir. You can't have an estate until you grow up. See, there are things in Scripture that are for grown-ups. Peace that surpasses all understanding, that's for grown-ups. Because a child, somebody will cut you off in Palmetto and that peace will leave. Somebody will try you at the register at Walmart and where's that peace? Learn this today. There are some promises of God that in order for you to walk in them, it's for grown-ups. That's what my grandma used to say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away, and I'm going to be okay. That's for grown-ups. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's for grown-ups, because when you're a child, they do prosper. Love your enemies. You say it. Are you following me here? What he's saying is, I'm not telling you they're not for you. I'm saying is that you can't access them until you grow up. So in order for us to access more, we need to mature into more. He will keep in perfect peace all of those whose thoughts are set on the Lord. That's for grown-ups. <laughs> there are some things that are for... Jehová es mi pastor y nada me falta. That's for grown people. Because there are seasons you're like, he's not my pastor and I'm lacking. And I'm mad at you, God. See, because when you're mature, pastor didn't say hello to you, somebody say hello to you, and your first thought is like, he had a bad day. She had a bad day. Let me pray over them. That's for grown-ups. 
she did me wrong, but I got to love her anyway. That, that, it got awfully quiet in this room. See, the Lord sometimes will pause you to grow you. There are things that the Lord will withhold from you, even though it has your name on the will, because you need to be a grown-up to receive it. See, enjoying your marriage, that's for grown-ups. Enjoying being single, that's also for grown-ups. <laughs> See, the scripture says when you're able to command your mind, and what you're able to tell your mind today, we're not doing this today. Mm -mm. We're not thinking about this today. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today. I'm talking to somebody today. When you're able to command your thoughts and say, every thought will go captive to the, we're not doing this will today. And I know some people that will argue by themselves. Have you seen other people? They'll be like, yeah, you know, when I see her, I'm going to tell her. And you'll be like, pastor, I told her off. Where? In my mind, in my mind. When you're able to have control, when you're not seeking vengeance, when you're not seeking validation, that's for grown-ups. When the Lord says, I will fight your battles, just be still and know that, I that's for grown-ups. What are you saying, Pastor? That in order to get more, God wants to mature us into more. It's not that it's not yours. Is that making sense with you? That it, It's your inheritance. He says, but until you grow up, you're no different than a slave. Ouch. Thank you, Jesus. I got to move on because some of you are giving me that look. That's okay. Number three. So we got two, right? We need a mentality for more, and we need maturity for more. Number three is that we need methods for more. And this is my prayer this year, that God gives you uncommon ideas. See, some miracles in Scripture happened because they had a plan. Where's that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. The walls of Jericho, they had a plan. They had a method. Once a day, for seven times, for, and on the seventh day, they were going to do it seven times. And on the seventh time, they, on that seventh day, they were going to blow the horn. There was a plan. There was a method. If God were to say to you today, I want to give you more, where's your plan? Do you have one? If the Lord were to tell you today, I'm ready to bless you and open up the floodgates of heaven for you, do you have a foreign plan? Do you know what you want? Do you know what your calling is? Do you know why God placed you on this earth? How many people's lives will be affected if God blessed you? How many people's destiny will be changed forever, forever if the Lord decided to bless your life today? We need methods. We need ideas for more. More just doesn't happen magically. Y'all remember that verse, 320? It's the power that's working in you. In other words, you got to work what's working in you. You got to start journaling, and as, you leave, as you're reading your, prayer, your, your Bible, Lord, what is it that you're saying? How am I going to approach this giant? How am I going to approach this season? Of my, give me methods in order to raise my kids. Give me methods to deal with my coworkers. There are methods for more because when you get more of something, you got to be ready for more of everything. Are you ready to deal with sickness knocks on the door of your home? Are you ready to deal with the loss of an employment? See, that's for grown-ups. <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to deal with a spouse that tells you, I don't know if we can do this anymore? I'm talking real life situations, people. I'm not talking something uh, 17 cent. No. This is what's happening in life today. Are you ready to deal? Do you have a method if your child is struggling with this sexuality? I'm talking about real life situations, people. 
Are you ready to bring hope when all this is going on just in 31 days of, in January? We, I, I feel like we were in January for four months. Do you have a method, men, to shepherd your home? Do you have a method to be the priest of your home? Wife, do you have a method to be an ideal helper? We need methods for more. I got to move on. Y'all looking at me sideways. Number four, is this good for anybody? Yeah. Next, you need to make room for more. Tell your neighbor, make room. My prayer is, check this prayer out. Tell me if you like it or not. My prayer is that this year God makes unexplainable eliminations in your life. <laughs> See, some of you have already experienced this but didn't have language for it. And how you know? People will come up to you and say, hey, what happened with you and such and such? I'm hearing some praise over here. And you're like, you know what? I don't know what happened. See, because if God asked you for permission every time he needed to remove something from your life, most of the times they won't be removed. This is what the Lord told me. He says, Will, you don't need to bleed every time I want to do something. And I think that most of us are so accustomed that we need to endure the process. And we're so used to, in order for me to walk out of the situation, I need to have a, a knife in my back. And the Lord is like, I'm going to do some eliminations that don't require your permission because I love you that much and you don't always have to go through it. You don't always have to feel pain and the brokenness. I want to wa work in your life preemptively. What that means, I want to do it before you can even notice it. He says, I want you to trust me enough that you can learn the lesson without bleeding. He doesn't need to break your heart every time. Sometimes he just stops testing you. Mm. Can I teach for a little bit? Thank you. I'll, I'll do it for you, Lucy. That's it. See, some of us have to reevaluate our high-maintenance relationships. Y'all ask for it. Y'all ask for it, so I'll give it to you. Some of us need to reevaluate some of those high maintenance friendships. And I know that someone came to mind. If they're in the room, don't say their name. Don't look at them. Just look at me. Because there comes a season in your life that you need people that are aware that you're going to remove yourself from them because God is working in your life. <laughs> Speak, Holy Spirit. <laughs> See, when the Lord is giving you more, he's going to remove some of the high-maintenance relationships in your life because he wants you to spend time with him. See, and some of these high-maintenance relationships are toxic. And I'll explain to you why. They'll come to you and say, oh, I needed you. No, no, you needed him. You just wanted me. some love over here so I'll stay over here some some realness see there comes a season in your life and 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 trust me when I tell you that the Lord just wants your unconditional allegiance to him and everything that takes high maintenance and takes of your time he will remove because only the only high maintenance things you need in your life are people with your same last name I give God praise for my best friend, and I'll tell you why. We can speak once a year, and every time I call him or he calls me, we pick up right where we left off, and I don't have to explain myself. I'm feeling realness over here because he understands that God is walking me through some processes that will require myself to remove myself from that situation because he's working in me, and the power that works through you I think that some of us are in these toxic soul ties that 
are sucking the life out of you. And you have this unhealthy attachment to something that is not bringing you life. I know I'm speaking to somebody there. God told me this before I got here, so I know I'm speaking to somebody. And I think that since they're soul ties to it, we we don't know even how to break it off because we don't remember ourselves without it. God is saying that if you want more, I need you to make room for more. Ooh, I hope this is blessing your life some way, somehow. See, because there are things that the Lord wants to do that need your undivided attention. And those that walk with you that can't understand that are going to come in the way of what the Lord wants to do. You know who I'm talking about. You know exactly what those relationships are. Tell your neighbor, make room. <laughs> make room. And I'll give you the last one because some of you some of you don't love me right now, but y'all can fight with the Lord. Nah, I don't mind. Don't mind. And the next one is some something you can say, oh well, I understand in a, in a church context, in a in a Christian context, how this makes sense, but he wants to, he wants us to make noise for more. And I want you to see something in Zechariah 2, verse 10. Y'all still good? Yeah. Still love me? Yeah. All right, Zechariah 2, 10, next verse. Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. He didn't say shout because I am here. He said shout because I am coming. See, we need to demonstrate gladness before the blessing arrives. See, I'm a firm believer. This is what it says in uh, Philippians. This is Philippians 4, 8 and 9. This is what Paul is um, saying to the church in Philippi. He's saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Oh, so much, right? Anything is excellent. I'm sorry. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. I've asked this question many times. When was the last time you thought about the things that you're thinking about? When was the last time you evaluated your thoughts? This is what the Lord is saying that we need to think about. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, says Paul, put it into practice. And then, or and, the God of peace will be with you. See, you can't you can't praise un- unless you have a mindset of praise. See, your praise, you need to have a mindful of praise. What that means is that you're going to praise him in the hallway. You're going to praise him from the closed door until he opens the next door. Or what I like to call, can you praise him in the middle? The middle is the most difficult place where to be. Because you're feeling that the Lord is silent. You're feeling that the Lord is not answering. But can you still do a doxology and think about the attributes of the Lord that you're praying to? And my last slide says this. You can move to the very last one. Gratitude is the seed for more. God is willing and able to give us more. But are you grateful for what you already have? And again, remember there's a difference between greed and hunger. I don't want anyone to walk out of this room today thinking, oh, pastor, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that I want everything he has for me. Not more than that. And we can go back to that verse in Ephesians and we'll close with that. Ephesians 3.20. Y'all remember the verse? It says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. We serve a God that is able to do more. And I know I gave you a lot today. But remember, we, 
we preach messages that are not for Sunday morning. These are messages that you're going to need Tuesday afternoon when life really kicks in. When you start doubting of what the Lord can do, you can go back to your notes and say, okay, this is what scripture says. This is what the Lord says about me. And I don't know about you, but as I look back in the past couple of years, I'm like, God, I'm so grateful, but I know that there's more. I know that, I know you have more for me, and I don't want from anyone else's plate. I want from the plate that you've allocated for me, and I want it all. I don't want to leave anything on the plate. I want everything that you have set out for me, all the doors you've wanted me to walk through, all the people that you want me to come in contact with and bless, I want everything. Every gift, every level of anointing, I want everything. But the question that he asked me is, are you willing to participate in this more? Are, will, are you willing to do your part? Because there are some things, Will, that are for grown-ups. The inheritance is yours, but you need to be of age to receive it. I'm so... I'm so happy Paul put it in a way that we can understand it because he's saying the, it's, it's not that it's going to be neglected from you. What he's saying is that in order to get it, you need to grow up. And sometimes as kids, we're like, give it, give it. And he's like, he's like dangling it up here. He's like, grow up. You want peace that surpasses all understanding? You got to grow up. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, man. That's <laughs> you got to grow up for that. So this morning, was this helpful for anyone? My prayer is that you're able to walk into the fullness of God, what God has for you, and that you're able to bless those around you with what He's given you, not only uh, physical blessings but also with the spiritual blessings. That you, that you can understand that people's destiny or that are part of your sphere, that are part of your circle of influence, that people that are depending on you, for you to open up your mouth, for you to bring a word of encouragement. Because when you get more of something, you get more of everything. Let's be on our feet.